0: One day, a father and son appeared at the home of the Alter Rebbe, Rabbi Shner Zalman of Liadi, the first Lubavitcher Rebbe. And the father tells the Rebbe that his son lost his ability to speak. He's brought him to every doctor he could find, every expert, even other tzaddikim. And nobody seems to be able to get his son to speak again. According to the doctors, there's nothing wrong with his voice. It's just something, somewhere, is blocking him from speaking. And the Alter Rebbe says to the boy, who's 11 years old, come and give me your hand. And the child reaches out his hand to the Alter Rebbe, who holds it for a second. And then he releases the boy's hand and looks up at the father and says, go to the town of Metz in Germany. There's a Jewish timber merchant that lives there. He lives on the hill near the entrance of the city. I want you to go there and ask to stay. And Bezat Hashem, your son will have a full recovery. So the father says to the Alter Rebbe, Thank you, Rebbe, but when I get to Metz and I stay with this timber merchant, what exactly am I supposed to do with my time there? And the Alter Rebbe says, don't do anything. Just walk around the marketplaces and the streets. Say to Hillim, Davin to Hashem, until Hashem helps you. Now the father was a poor Jew to start with, and he'd already spent everything that he had trying to get his son healed, taking him to doctors and all the travel expenses. And now he needs to go from Russia to Germany. And he told his friends, his fellow chassidim, he doesn't know how he's going to get there. And so they put together a pool of money. Everybody gave a little bit. And everyone working together covered all of the expenses for the father and son to travel to Metz, Germany. He got on the train with his son. He was very excited to be on a train and experience the ride. Looking out the window as they traveled through landscapes he'd never seen before. But as excited as he was, he didn't say a word. His father pet his son's head, said, my beloved son, we're going to help you. We're going to go to Metz. There, b'zart Hashem, the Rebbe's bracha is going to come true. And the whole way he was davening and saying to Hillem, and completely confident that the Rebbe's words would be fulfilled exactly as the Rebbe had said. It wasn't an easy trip, and when they finally arrived in Metz, the father and son discovered that truly, just as the Rebbe had said, there was a hill next to the city. And on the hill was a Jewish lumber merchant. They knocked on the door of his house. He welcomed them in. And they said, would it be okay if we stay with you for a little while? And the lumber merchant, he looks at this father, this Hasid, and his son. And he says, sure. You're welcome to stay in my house. He shows them to a room. He says, you're welcome to take anything you need. Eat your meals with us. And so after the father and son settled in, they went to the marketplace and started walking around the streets just like the altar Rebbe had said. Father and son walking around this town, not knowing what they're supposed to do, just waiting for salvation. And one day, the lumber merchant says to the father, tell me, why did you come to my house? I'm more than happy to host you, but I see you're just walking around doing nothing all day. Did you really need to come here for that? And so the father tells the story to the lumber merchant, says my son hasn't been speaking for years. Physically, he seems fine, can't seem to understand why he's not speaking. I went to doctors, and eventually to the Alter Rebbe, who told me to come here. The lumber merchant was very impressed because he'd never heard of the Alter Rebbe. He was sure that he was a great tzaddik, but how did the Rebbe know about him? And what connection could there possibly be between a lumber merchant and healing this boy? He didn't know any medicine. He wasn't a healer. And then an idea crossed the mind of the lumber merchant, and he said to the father, Hey, you know what? I just thought of something. I think I know who the Alter Rebbe sent you to. He didn't send you to me. And the father said, okay, who do you think we're supposed to go to? And the lumber merchant said, my son-in-law. The father said, great, where's your son-in-law? He said, ah, it's not so simple. I'll tell you my story. So the lumber merchant tells the father, there used to be this young guy that sat in our shul. And all day long, he would learn. His parents had passed away, and he was basically all alone in the world. And so feeling sorry for him, the lumber merchant invited him for meals during the week and for sure on Shabbos. And this went on for several months. And then the young man said to the lumber merchant, listen, I don't like taking your food in your hospitality for nothing. I don't want to eat unearned bread. So maybe you could do with a watchman that would watch your forests and then I could earn the food that I'm eating from you. The lumber merchant said, yeah, that'd be great. You know, I don't have anybody watching my lumber. And so the young man says, why don't you build me a little cabin out in the middle of your yard and I'll look after your lumber for you. And so the lumber merchant said, yeah, that's a great deal. You come and eat meals with us. I'll build you a little cabin. You watch my lumber. Watch the forest. Make sure there's no fire. Make sure nobody's stealing anything. And you'll eat with us. I'll even pay you for it. And so they did. They built the cabin. And the young man would sit there all day and all night, learning and keeping an eye on the lumber in the forest. And one night, when the lumber merchant was sleeping, he smelled smoke. And he wakes up, and looks out the window, and he sees a huge fire raging in the timber yard, right where the cabin with the watchman was. And he said to himself, how could this be? All of my lumber is burning, and this young man is probably sleeping. What did I put him there for? And so he said he jumped up out of bed, and ran into the lumber yard to the cabin. To wake up the young man and have him help him put out the fire. But when he got there, there was no fire at all. And the young man was simply sitting and learning from a safe air. He sees the lumber merchant. He says, Hey, what are you doing here? And the lumber merchant was so shocked, he's like, Ah, nothing. Just checking. He went back into the house, and the lumber merchant's wife said, What's going on out there? He said, I smelled smoke and I thought I saw a fire. But when I got there, there was nothing. It was just the boy learning from a safe air. And so the wife laughed at her husband and said, Ah, you're just dreaming. But a few days later, Kenny smelled smoke. He wakes up and looks out the window, and he sees a massive fire burning right where the cabin is. And he imagines that all of the wood is on fire. But this time, he woke up his wife, and he said to her, Do you see a fire, or is this my imagination? She said, I see a fire, and I see the end of our livelihood. Get out there and put out the fire. And so he ran, he ran, and he was out of breath. And when he reaches the cabin in the middle, there was no fire. No fire to put out. No fire at all. And again, the young man was learning from a safer. And he looks over at the lumber merchant and he says, Everything okay? You sleeping okay? And the lumber merchant says, Yeah, yeah, nothing to worry about, my friend. You just keep on learning there. Don't worry about me. He goes back home tells his wife there was no fire. She says, what do you mean? I saw a fire with my own eyes. I said, take a look. There's no fire. She looks and she sees there's no fire. So the two of them realized this was no ordinary young man. He was obviously a hidden sadik, and they decided not to tell anyone about it. And they behaved as if they'd never seen any fire burning in the middle of their lumber yard in the middle of the night. And a few months later, after seeing several more fires, but this time not running out to put them out, the lumber merchant says to the young man, I've seen you looking at my daughter, and she looks at you as well. I would be okay if you wanted to marry her. The young man says, yes, that would be such a great honor. And the daughter says, yes, he's a very sweet man. And so they agreed to get married. But the young man went to his future father-in-law and he said, I have to tell you something. I'm willing to marry your daughter and I'm happy to marry your daughter, but it's on one condition. You're gonna build me a house on the other side of town, far away from everyone, just for me and my wife, and you will never visit us. For any reason whatsoever and I promise you that we will come to visit you and I will support your daughter by baking bread, something which I learned from my parents before they left this world. But this condition is absolute. Once I marry your daughter and we move into that house, you don't visit us for any reason whatsoever. but don't worry, I promise you we will visit you often. And so the lumber merchant agreed. the couple got married Must and everyone's happy. the daughter's happy. the young man is happy. And just like he said, every few days they would come to visit. And Eventually, they had children. And the children would come and visit. But the parents never crossed the other side of town to see their daughter, son-in-law, and grandchildren. They only waited until they came to them. So the lumber merchant is telling this to the father of the son, who lost his ability to speak. He says, apparently, the Alter Rebbe sent you to me in order for me to tell you about my son-in-law. Now, my son-in-law said to me that we're not allowed to visit him but he never said that you're not allowed to visit him. So they go, the father and son, to the other side of town, way outside of town, deep into the forest. There's a little house built there. And the father knocks on the door. And the door opens. And the son-in-law is standing there, and he has kind of an angry look on his face. says, who are you and what are you doing here? father was a little nervous, but he knew that the Alter Rebbe had sent him here for a reason, and it wasn't just to walk the streets of Metz. So he tells the hidden tzaddik, Rabbi Schneer Zalman of Liadi, sent me here, to cure my son. For years now my son hasn't been able to speak, and no one can heal him. And he points to his son, he says, Rabbi, can you heal my son? And the son-in-law says, all right, come inside. And the whole time he's preparing a cup of tea for the father and the son, and he says, how did the Alter Rebbe know that I'm here? How does Schneer's Zalman know I'm here? How did he find me? So he found me here too. Hm. So he brings some hot water and a couple of mugs, puts a lot of sugar and tea in one of the mugs, stirs it, and hands it to the boy and tells him, Go on, drink it down. Just before the boy starts to drink, the son-in-law says what? You're not going to make a bracha? And the father's a little shocked. He wants to say, Don't you know the reason we're here is that my son can't speak? You expect him to say a bracha? But before the father had a chance to say anything, the son says a bracha, Baruch ata Adon Eloheinu Melech HaOlam Sheakon Niyah Bidvaro. Then he drinks down the whole cup of sweet tea. In the meantime, the father is standing there in shock. And the son-in-law tells them, go back to Rabbi Schneir Zalman and tell him that your son has been healed, but not to send anybody to him ever again, to let him be in peace. And so the father and son return to the lumber merchant. The lumber merchant says, no, how did it go? Father says, ask my son. And the boy starts talking and the lumber merchant is so happy. He said, it's amazing. I knew my son-in-law was a hidden tzaddik. I knew that was the reason that the Alter Rebbe sent you here. And the lumber merchant figures, well, now that somebody's visited my son-in-law and daughter and my grandchildren, maybe I'll go visit them. And he walks across town, and he finds the house that he built, and he sees that the door is open, and when he goes inside, the house is completely empty, as if nobody had ever lived there before. And the lumber merchant and his wife were kind of mourning that their son-in-law and their daughter and their grandchildren had all disappeared. They even sent a letter to the Alter Rebbe, saying to him, Rebbe, it's not okay. We don't know where they went, and they don't visit us anymore. And was that fair to do that to us? And they receive a response from the Alter Rebbe, saying it will be taken care of. And they wait. And They wait one month, and two months, and three months. And then his daughter and his grandchildren show up at the house, and he was so happy to see them. And he says to his daughter, Where's your husband? Where's my son-in-law? She says, oh, Tati, don't worry, he's safe. He's in a cabin somewhere in the woods, but I can't reveal to you ever again where he is. I have one more story for you. It's not so short, but it's a good one. My sweetest friends, you've probably heard of survivors of the Holocaust. Many of them, they were angry at God and gave up on Hashem. One of them had decided that he would have nothing to do with the Jewish religion. And after some time in a DP camp after the war, he got on a ship and went to New York, changed his name to a completely non-Jewish name, and resettled in the section of Brooklyn called Crown Heights, which at the time was not a Lubavitch neighborhood. Just by chance, he found another Jewish woman who was also angry at Hashem and had also survived the war and wanted nothing to do with Judaism. And the two of them got married. They had a son who was the apple of their eye, who they loved so much. And they were very careful to not raise him in any way connected to Judaism. They didn't circumcise him, didn't have a brisk mila. He always ate treif, not kosher food. He never kept Shabbos. He was never taught anything about the Jewish religion. He just knew that he was a Jew. He knew his parents were Jewish, but he knew nothing about Judaism. And that's exactly how the parents wanted it to be. And this was their only child, and he grew up without knowing anything about Judaism. And he also married, just by chance, a Jewish woman. But there was nothing remotely religious about their life. Just as his father had done, he was very careful not to have anything to do with the Jewish religion. His children never celebrated any Jewish holidays, and he also told them how backwards and stupid the Jewish religion was. And this worked for all of his children, except for one. To his great displeasure, there was one of his sons who became a Baal who decided to return to his faith and start keeping to and Mitzvot. And even though they lived in different worlds, the son who was living a religious life and the father who was anti-religious, they loved each other very much. And so when the young man called his father to tell him of the happy news that he got engaged and was going to get married, he asked his father to please attend the chuppah, the wedding ceremony. And the father said, I have no interest in your religious ceremony. In fact, my son pains me greatly that you have decided to embrace such a backwards religion that has caused so much pain to so many people. I love you, my son, and I'd do anything for you. But I'm not going to attend a religious wedding. I'd be a complete hypocrite if I did. It stands against everything I believe in. Well, it goes without saying that the son was a little upset that his father doesn't want to come to his wedding. But he said, okay, father, you won't come to my wedding because it bothers you so much. But you said you'd do anything for me, right? Do you really mean it? The father says, yes. If there's anything I can physically do for you, my son, I will do it. I give you my word. And so the son says, okay, father. If that's the case, then I want to ask you to do one physical thing." father said, "...as long as it doesn't involve a religious ceremony, I will do it for you." And the son says, "...there's no religious ceremony here. It's simply a physical act. I want you, father, to have a circumcision, to have a bris milah." The father was shocked. He said, "...look, if I have a circumcision, that'll connect me to Judaism. I don't want anything to do with Judaism." The son said, "...listen, you don't have to believe in anything. You don't even have to believe that it's Jewish." There's lots of non-Jewish men that are circumcised. So you'll be just like them. We live in America. Being circumcised is not a big deal. And the father thought about it and he said, well, you're right. And I made a promise to you, my son, and I love you, my son. So I'll have a brismila. And a few days later, the father contacted a rabbi who did the surgery. And the father had the operation to be circumcised. And a few days later, while he was recuperating from the difficult surgery, he began to think, you know what, I could go to my son's wedding for a short while. I don't have to go for long. I don't want to be influenced by those religious fanatics, but my son, I love my son. And so the father went to the wedding. And at the wedding, the father was so impressed by the enthusiasm of his son's friends that he found himself dancing and couldn't pull himself away from the dancing. And at some point, the caterer comes to the father and says, Sir, I'm so inspired by your dancing and how much you delight in your son's becoming a Balchuva that I want to give you a very special gift. This is something that's very precious to me. So said, this is a dollar from the Lubavitcher Rebbe, a dollar that I received from him before the Rebbe left this world. And the father looks at the caterer and looks at the dollar bill, and he turns white, and then he faints. And when he comes to, the first words he says are, that is my dollar bill. And then he faints again. And when he finally got up, he explained to everybody, when I was a teenager growing up here in Crown Heights, every now and then a few of my public school friends would go on Sunday morning to an old man who we heard gave out dollar bills for no reason. I mean, we were more than happy to buy candy. So we stood in line, very excited, watching this old bearded man handing out free dollars. And when my turn arrived, he extended his hand with the bill, which I grabbed from him. But to my surprise, the Rebbe didn't let go of the bill. He held it tightly, and he asked me, Have you been circumcised? Did you have a bris mila?" And I told the Rebbe no. And the Rebbe continued to hold the dollar. And then he said to me, When you have your bris milah, I'll give you back your dollar. So the father of the Chatan was shaking his head, and he said, I just had my bris last week. The Rebbe's been gone from this world for many years. Now, after all these years, I see that the Rebbe kept his promise. There was somebody who once wrote to me and he said, I think you make up these stories. You're just making up these stories to get people to become religious. Let me tell you, friends, you can't make up stories like these. And the stories are here in order for us to strengthen our amuna, our faith in a kadosh Baruch Hu. Listen to the stories, friends. Internalize the stories. Live the stories and retell the stories because that's what they're for. Thank you so much for listening, my sweetest friends. It's always such a pleasure for me to tell these stories. And thank you for everybody who contacted me. I want to thank the Deutsch family, longtime listeners, who became new supporters of this podcast. Thank you so much for listening and for your contribution. And a big Shalom Aleichem to your children, Yiska, Rochel, David, and Yoshua. And of course, the whole Deutsch family. Should all be blessed with parnasa, Shalom Bayit, good health, Hasidish achas from all your children. Deep roots in the land of Israel. is Hashem. Thank you to all of the listeners for listening. As always, keep on sharing this podcast, please. Every single day there's new subscribers, and I'm so grateful to all of you. The only way that happens is if you tell people about it. So please keep on sharing it. We're really spreading light in the world with these stories. And you know, this is episode 195. It's amazing to me. I never thought I would record so many stories. So whoever comes across this for the first time has a lot of stories to listen to. And wouldn't you like somebody to hear all these stories? So thank you again for listening, and thank you for joining me. Have a beautiful Shabbos, and I'll see you next week with the next Hasidic story. Zai my sweetest friends.